So my background has been primarily in software and social media for the last 10 years. Um, I was at YouTube for three and a half years. I launched uh, skippable video ads there, the skip button, among other things. Um, uh, I was at Facebook. Um, I ran uh, marketing for media, video, news there. Um, I think after enough time in social media, especially being there through the you know, Brexit 2016 election, the aftermath, the rise of fake news, you know, and hoaxes and misinformation. Um, I really sort of like asked myself, I took some time off for myself and I said, you know, what do I want to do with the back half of my career? Um, and I decided I wanted to make sure I was always doing good for the world and being sure that I wasn't doing bad for the world. Um, you know, and working in social media, like, every day can be one or the other of those things. Um, and so uh, as it happened, I like, you know, uh, left Facebook, I think about a week before the Cambridge Analytica uh, scandal broke out. And I was uh, sort of delighted that that wasn't my problem because it would have been my problem there at Facebook. Um, but to me, climate is the biggest problem in the world. It's something um, I've been worrying about my entire adult life. I mean, going back to like the late nineties when like gas was 75 cents a gallon and everyone around me was like buying like massive SUVs and there just was, seemed to be no consciousness or interest in sort of like what was happening and the environmental impact of that. Um, and so, um, you know, when I, um, I met our um, CEO and chairman um, at the time, the company was called Software Motor Company, uh, company named by the engineers who invented the product. Sure, very that's what it is. Very yeah. The company that makes <laughs> motors runs with software, um, you know, uh, and very descriptive of what the company was focused on. And I didn't really know anything about motors. I, you know, had never worked in any sort of industrial systems before. Um, but when I did my homework, I realized that's where climate change was happening. That um, most of the world's energy is consumed turning um, fossil fuels or renewables into motion. Um, and that's true, not just in the cars and trucks around you, um, but also in the commercial industrial vehicles that maybe you don't see every day. Um, but even in your buildings, like probably most of the energy in whatever building you're in right now um, is being consumed by the motors that are pushing air around and pushing things around, um, not by the lights or the electronics or, or other things. And so um, it became really clear after I, I sort of just did research and read, looked at, went to the... IEA website and just tore through things. And I said, oh my God, there's like no path to net zero. There's no path to um, getting to 100% clean energy without um, upgrading the world's motor systems. Um, and so that's how I ended up hooking up with, um, with Ryan and with uh, what was then Software Motor Company um, to, um, to try to really make an impact on climate change as opposed to tinkering around the margins or working on something. This was the core of the issue and I wanted to get involved in that. There's so many uh, different opportunities and problems to be solved on this front. And yeah. from my perspective, I feel like uh, the different organizations that I come across, I can almost put them into two camps. It, it's this sort of, this is a far off goal, big challenge. And we have this kind of idealistic, almost of a daydreamy idea of what it could be. And then there's the right. very this is a problem right now that's very solvable and here's a pragmatic way to go about it. And I kind of put your, your team into that camp. Like this is something we can do right now. Like we don't have to do R and D for years and years and years and hope that maybe it's a thing. Like you can do this right now and it can be applied. I mean, would you, is that a fair assessment? 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's an assessment of the life stage of our company. I mean, um, you know, I, I think this company was founded in late 2013 with this idea around the motor and the motor was not ready for prime time, right? It was still an R&D project, um, you know, um, and in that time over that period, not only have we made the motor commercially ready and now there's thousands of them running in buildings around the world, but we've also been able to expand into new markets and think more broadly about um, how energy is turned into motion and how um, we can help decarbonize the world's most energy intensive industries. So that's how we are more into now transport and heavy equipment, um, construction, agriculture, um, et cetera. It's not just about the, the motor anymore. Yeah. So that's our, that's our stage right now. You know, we're, uh, you know, hundred million dollar plus revenue business, um, and, um, you know, as opposed to something that's building for the future, but honestly, like those R and D companies are going to help save the world too. Absolutely. Like the, the, you know, that the, um, the, the silver bullet is never going to exist. It's always going to be a lot of things happening at once to systemically upgrade the world. And a lot of those technologies are in labs or they're not even in labs yet. They're not even ideas yet, but we're going to, we're going to find it at some point. Yeah. I, I think it can be. For the average, um, for the average person, I, I think it can be so daunting right. um, that it feels like the solutions are all far off, and that's not the case. Some are far off, some are right, right. here today, and yeah. can be implemented. And sometimes the the most impact is a thing that's been completely overlooked, or maybe like the least sexy solution out there. It's like, right. hey, we could do this right now. You know. Well, that was when I when I first hooked up um, with Turntide, then Software Motor Company. The slogan they were using was the LED of motors. And you know what that was shorthand for our end customer. For them, they spent a decade replacing all of their light bulbs yep. with LEDs. Well, and what nice. that did is it took lighting from um, you know, a fifth of your energy bill down to like single digits on your energy bill. Um, and so now what is the low-hanging fruit? Well, it's probably the thing on your roof or in your basement pushing air and water around your, your building. Like that's the next low-hanging fruit right there. Um, but you know, you still got to pick the fruit. Um, and so there's um there's there's work to be there's work to be done there. Um and agriculture needs to get fixed, logistics need to get fixed, warehousing needs to get fixed, data centers need to get fixed, like everything um that uh, how we operate in society needs to get upgraded because the alternative is expecting 8 billion people to transform their lifestyles voluntarily. And that is that, that, that that's not a pathway to success. Yeah. So your, your products and your solutions work in many industries and yeah. I'm sure there's others that you're not involved in yet that are probably uh ability for you to expand into when you're thinking of your sort of messaging hierarchy and how you sort of present the brand. Yeah. Um, how soon are you talking about the dollars and cents of it and talking about sort of payback periods? Hey, for this upfront investment, you're going to see this. Is that, is that a very, is that upfront or is that maybe 0.3 or four in your kind Oh, of it's, it's right away. It's right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's actually a great question and a great point. So um, something really extraordinary has happened in sustainability in the last few years. Um, so up until a few years ago, if you as a company wanted to be sustainable, um, it was an act of charity. I mean, it was costing you more dollars out than dollars in. So why would you do it? Well, you would do it because there was a regulation that you needed to comply with. Maybe you did it because it was core to your brand and you would sell more widgets if like the widget buyers felt they were sustainably made. Yeah. Um, or maybe um, you're just 
an environmentalist CEO or your spouse or your kids will admire you more if you know if they know that you're doing something for the planet, right? Um, but the reality is like corporations don't work this way. Like the job of a corporation is to take money from investors and return more of it back to them. Um, and so, so here's what's happened though, is in the last few years, climate tech has gone from this thing that you would do as an act of charity, I spend money and the world benefits, to now a really easy business, no-brainer business decision that you would be dumb not to do um, because energy prices are much higher. Anything you can do to save energy will pay for itself relatively quickly if it's if it's an economical purchase. That's why LEDs, an LED costs way more than a light bulb, but it pays for itself. And now with motors and electrification and, uh, and automation and other types of climate tech now, they pay for themselves in like, it was just a few years. Now it can be months with the price of energy having gone up around the entire world. It was going up even before the, the war in Ukraine. Um, now all of a sudden um, making a climate tech decision is like, it would be malfeasance not to by the, by the board. You would have to just be very committed to carbon emissions to um, to not want to do this um, at this point. That's a really, really big change is the economics have transformed dramatically. So whenever you run into, if you're into, uh, let's say you're in the sales process or you're introducing the brand to somebody communicating it, what are some of the things that are either hangups or I don't quite get that, or actually I still have this remaining pain point is it is it just inertia they're not ready to make a decision it's not where their head is at or is it they're just kind of uh in a wait mode this is not top of this is not a top priority like what are the things what are the obstacles you run into you know there, there could be a lot of reasons i mean first of all we should say like demand is very strong right now across yep. the board right so um you know it's uh it's less of an issue of like oh we're not ready and we don't want to do this like people generally want to do this now um uh, um, you know, even, um, you know, hardcore climate skeptics, like can't deny that climate is impacting their business. And um, even if they don't want to, even if they think that, um, you know, the change in climate is God's will or a natural process or, you know, whatever, whatever reason they think the climate is changing or they think it's not changing. Right. They just don't believe that it's changing very much. Um, you know, uh they um they still feel like they have to do this now and so um demand is very very strong at this point and i'd say if there's any reluctance it's probably around well this is new i've never done this before maybe i don't have the expertise around this um maybe i have a staff that's built around um a particular way of doing business or a particular physical infrastructure or what have you and so um that's where this universe of of sustainability startups like us comes in because we, we can help shepherd those larger companies into decarbonizing, um, which they may seem as very daunting or far off. Now the deadlines are much new or much closer. They have to be, depending on what country or state they're operating in, they may have to be net zero in like just a few years now. So now they're coming and they're saying, help me, I need to figure this out and I need to start now. What's the, what instigates the conversation? I'm, I'm It sounds like if you get a chance to present the brand, the solution, it's an easy sell, right? People yeah. say, oh, I get that. Yeah, I have that problem. I'd love to save cost on that. This makes a lot of sense. Efficiency is good. Mm -hmm. But whenever they're seeking you out, is, yeah. is this a solution that they know exists or they don't know it exists, but they're trying to solve a particular problem and you come up as one of the solutions? 
Yeah, I mean, as as a startup, that's part of like our job in the marketing team and in the brand is to help sort of build that brand. Um, in some sense, we're in some of these markets, we're competing with other startups and some of them we're competing with very large industrials. Right. You know, there are companies that have been making motors for literally 100 years who are now trying to make more efficient motors. Um, and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're full of rare earth minerals and actually like not very sustainable. And sometimes they're really expensive. And, you know, so we're, we're dealing with like innovators and large companies that aren't as good innovators, but everyone's kind of trying now because they sort of have to. So for us, we need to build the brand. First of all, so, you know, rebranding from software motor company to Turntide was sort of like a step in that direction that we took in 2020. Um, but then also we need to get the word out here that although we're a startup, we actually have a ton of experience. We have acquired, for example, in the, in the electrification space of vehicles, we have acquired um, a handful of companies in the UK that combined have decades of experience electrifying machines and they come with customers and you know an installed base out there we recently announced that we electrified our 300,000th vehicle right that's not the mothership of turntide that has only been around for you know 8 years that did that those are the acquired entities that we've brought in that we are integrating um that is delivering a combined powertrain solution to companies that need to electrify that allows us to compete with the big guys yeah so as the person who's leading the marketing on this front, what are some of the bigger initiatives that you have? How much of it is sort of building brand mm -hmm. awareness around these solutions, knowing that, hey, there might be a new solution that you didn't, weren't aware of before? Right. How much of it is is helping with almost uh, being able to satisfy demand of speaking to sorts of resellers or installers or things like that that enable you to then take that existing demand and, and make it work? Like where where is your time divided right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's complex. Um, you know, we are in um, three major industries right now, and these industries are fairly discrete from each other. Mm -hmm. So one is what we call the built environment, um, and those are prim primarily commercial and industrial buildings. With that, we have excellent partnerships with these amazing companies, some of which got their start in LED upgrades and have since moved into motors, some of which are sort of HVAC based companies and they help us get into the rooftops and the basements of commercial buildings um, around the world. Um, like we have some really excellent partners there. Um, you know, in agriculture, we um, are fully own um, our partner, um, VES Artex, um, that mostly focuses on the dairy industry. Um, dairy is a huge portion of the protein consumed by humanity around the world. It is growing as an industry, not shrinking. Um, and it is, uh, it's fairly carbon intensive and, um, but it's key to food security in a lot of countries around the world is having a vital dairy industry that they can support there. And so we want to make sure that that's being produced as, um, efficiently as possible. So we have a fully owned company that has relationships with dealers around the world, but also has its own sales force and its own brand that we've managed. Um, we keep that brand separate from Turntide because VES Artex has really strong trust um, with dairy farmers, that is not something that we would blow up. That's a very valuable asset, and um, and it's a great company. Like it's just a like a it's a like a great company in an industry that it's an innovator in an industry that doesn't really innovate. So they're they're great. Um, and then on the um, on the uh, you know the the transport side, um, we're working directly with the OEMs, and so this is where it's important for us to bring our big customers on the construction side. We've been like a, a, a JCB has been a customer of ours. 
Um, we've electrified their excavator. Um, we have a bunch more that are in the pipeline right now as well in construction. On the rail side, we have Hitachi. And so for us being able to promote those big customers, those big brand name customers is how we build our awareness and drive our um, our um, our capabilities and drive our credibility. The good news is that in our space, generally customers want to talk about their electrification and uh, and sustainability. Like it's actually important for them to talk about it. And so we have an opportunity as a partner of theirs to um, sort of like get their halo and they can get ours as well. Um, since we are sort of purely a sustainability company, they get the halo of working with us and we get the halo of working with them of having their credibility and, and their brand. Yeah, that's that's super helpful. Uh, it sounds like to both sides. Um, yeah, I was curious about that because the the uh, industries that I see that you're working in, they it seems like your buyers and sort of their, um, it's just very different, right? So your mm -hmm. value prop probably has a lot of similarities, but the way in which you insert yourself into conversations, maybe the values that they hold, the, the maybe their uh, sort of mindset probably varies from industry to industry, but it sounds 100%. like, you know, Dari, as an example, you've got instant credibility through this, um, this right. you know, long held brand equity that already exists. There's trust already built in, which yes. is crucial in that industry um, yeah. and to where people are speaking on the same wavelength versus coming at it from maybe potentially opposite ends of the spectrum trying to find a solution, right? Well, and that's the thing is when we, you know, we started partner, I spent my first year here um, working as the um, the interim head of marketing for VES when we had a partnership with them before we had acquired them and before we had also acquired Artex, um, and uh, which was a sort of a rival of theirs. Um, and so I spent a lot of time working with the dairy industry and working with dairy farmers. And the, the last thing to do if you want to build trust is like show up from Silicon Valley and say, hi, I'm here to talk about sustainability, right? There's like, there's so many levels of distrust you're going to form there. Um, you know, to a lot of dairy farmers, like they consider themselves environmentalists, like they're stewards of the land. They are pillars of their community. Um, um, you know, however, um, they also feel like they're under sheet, they're under siege. And they feel like there's a lot of people when they're talking about climate are talking about eliminating meat and dairy industry, like regulating them out of existence. And so for them, it's a matter of survival. So if you come in there and you talk about sustainability with them, they're going to say, oh, you're, you're a vegan. You're trying to shut me down. Right. But you need to respect them where they are and what they're doing, which is they're making food for people. Um, and um, and they have a tremendous amount of pride, which they deserve and they've earned um, on that. And so when we're talking to the dairy industry, um, we want to maintain that trust that we understand you. We understand what you're going through. We understand when the milk price goes down, like that's existential for you. Um, and we know that um, like you want to use less and we you want to survive and pass this farm on to the next generation. Um, and so that is a very different story to tell and a very unique story to tell versus talking to, you know, somebody who's trying to electrify, um, you know, um, a, you know, a piece of construction equipment um, or someone who is trying to make a, a building more green. Um, it's like they're discrete audiences who need their own stories. And we have to put a lot of thought into who they are and what they care about. It's so true. And uh, you speak in a way where you've uh, had those conversations, right? Like that's, um, 
we, we, you know, as you talked about, like the dairy farm, they're not wrong about that. The, 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 uh, the views that they, a lot of the views that they have on this are, they're well-founded and, and for yeah. good reason, right? They, um, those feelings are very real. Um, there, but there are shared values and there are, sh uh, yes. it's, it's how do you start the conversation and what do you lead in with and how do you find the common ground versus shutting the door immediately because you picked the wrong opening line or the wrong opening angle to begin with, which is, you know, puts up the defenses versus getting into dialogue, actually solving something. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's why, you know, when we brought in VES Artex, like there was talk within the company, like, a lot, like some people want to like rename it to turn tide sustainable agriculture right away. And, you know, um, and there's a case, there's like a brand case for doing that. Um, you know, at the same time, I had spent enough time just sort of talking with the farmers to understand how that would basically like, th they would just close the door immediately um and so um you can't come in and say like hey we're smarter than you and we're here to solve your problems like everyone hears that and feels that around the world especially coming from silicon valley and nobody appreciates that like you know mark zuckerberg is not the most popular person in the world you know right now and um and so um you know and so we have to we have to be conscious about that about like who we are the good news is like we're not designing these dairy systems in Silicon Valley, they're designed in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, and by people who have decades of experience working with the dairy industry. And so we can build trust there, you know, in the electrification space. That's why we like bought into the electrification space. We have people who know the people who speak the language, who understand what actually, you know, drives folks um, at these, um, you know, at these companies that make heavy equipment or two wheel vehicles or boats or what have you to them. It's not just about, uh, I need to generate lower carbon emissions, although all of them generally want to see a healthy, sustainable planet. Everybody hates pollution. But for them, like their business goals are unique to them and their industry. And we need to be able that we're addressing that. At the brand level, it makes it a little challenging because like we have these three stories that are not the same for each other for three different audiences. And so we're not really advertising the brand so much in order to um, to uh, drive at the highest possible level in order to drive customer volume and customer interest. We have to be very specific within those verticals around what we stand for there. And then the brand is more about everyone else, employees, investors, press, you know, influencers, et cetera. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense how you're kind of building the brand house around, again, especially when you have discrete customers it's, it's already difficult enough to have a position that's relevant whenever you're talking to the, those that many uh, folks. Right. Um, so in some cases, you got to decide, do we do we even try for that? Um, it sounds like you hadn't done a good path. The uh, What you're talking about with the differences in messaging and how you kind of lead the conversation and what you how you kind of represent yourself and how you're solving, it's uh, to me, it's it's almost as challenging, if not more challenging, than sort of the technology of this. I mean, to be able to get human behavior is a tricky thing, and yeah. we could we can create a solution, but if we don't know how to speak it, uh, speak to it, if we can't get drive adoption, it's it, what's the point? That, that's our yeah. big motivation as we get into this further is just trying to understand people and how do you do the messaging in a way where it's uh, it's accepted, it's not resisted, and and people are looking to it. But you have to have to understand where people are coming from and you have to understand sort of their, their hierarchy of needs. It's, it's like you were saying earlier with some of these, it was, you know, in the, in the old days when there was a bit more of a premium to it, it was more on some cases like, Hey, we've done well and we want to be sustainable. 
when you are in a yeah. low margin business and a family owned farm, your first thought probably isn't decarbonization. It's like, how am I going to make ends meet this year? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if right. you're a, a supermarket and you're clear and your, your margins are one or 2% or something right. like that too, like we, we have to come in and basically say like, we're going to cut your energy costs really fast. And then your margin is going to go up. Like that's what they care about as well. They are running a ton of refrigerators inside this, you know, enormous space. That's a lot of energy. So how do you reduce those energy costs? Um, like that's where it, that's where the conversation always needs to begin, you know, from a brand standpoint, um, you know, I, like a lot of environmentalists, sort of succumbed to the idea that there's all this unpicked low-hanging fruit, and it's not low-hanging fruit, right? So there's, the, you know, you'll see this every now and then. It's like, well, if people just, like, flew less, like, less flying, they'll use less energy. Like, that's great. So you're not going to go visit your grandma for the family reunion, right? You're not going to fly your kid home from college, right? You're not, you're never going to go to Disney World. It's not, it's not a thing. Well, if everyone just gave up beef right okay so you're going to expect like like millions hundreds of millions billions of people around the world to transform their diet voluntarily right that you can't there's no path if we could conserve our way to saving the planet we would have done it already um the reality is humans are going to do what they do to assure their comfort um to assure their security and you have to give them that for everything that they want and expect, um, but for less. You can't just expect them to take less. Yep, that's so true. So it sounds like you've uh, had some exciting times already with Turntide. What, what's been the most rewarding aspect since you've joined? I mean, you know, obviously the most rewarding, um, you know, aspect is just the impact that we have. Like just seeing it when you see an electrified vehicle in motion, um, that, you know, the last version of it was, you know, spewing combusted petroleum out into the atmosphere. You know, when you, when you like look at a building and you're like, wow, this building's exactly the same, except it uses like a third less energy than it did before. Like that's, that's the most rewarding part. 